Al Jazeera podcast. India's leader has suggested a full G20 membership for the African Union. Narendra Modi argues Africa should have a bigger voice on the world stage. So what's behind this call? And what will a potential G20 membership mean for the African continent? I'm Mohammed Jamjoum, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, let's go ahead and bring in our guests. In London, Onyekachi Wambu, co-executive director of the African Foundation for Development. In Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Anusha Chari, professor of economics and finance at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And in saint Galan, Switzerland, Guido Cozzi, professor of macroeconomics at the University of saint Galan. A warm welcome to you all, and thanks so much for joining us today on Inside Story. Anusha, let me start with you today. What are Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi's motivations for calling for the AU to be given membership to the G20, and why now? Um, Thanks, Mo. So this is an incredibly crucial juncture in terms of engagement with Africa. And as you know, India has just assumed the presidency of the G20. Given that Africa is going to have the largest population by 2050, and as the largest democracy in the world and the fastest growing economy, um, India's G20 presidency will play a crucial role in building a strong and sustainable relationship with Africa. So this, in my view, is a critical juncture in building this relationship with India as the head of the G20 um, and um, with the U.S. as well as the European Union um, in partnership with building a better, uh, building better for Africa. Onyekachi, what would this potential membership of the African Union in the G20 mean for the African continent? Um, first of all, I just wanted to um, extend um, the thanks to India for putting this on the agenda. Um, India has always, I mean, every country is self-serving to a certain extent and looking after its interests. There was a degree of self-interest in this, but India has also always been um, absolutely committed and, and in pushing African interests. We remember their stalwart support against apartheid in South Africa. So India has always been a good friend of the continent. Um, what does this mean for Africa? I think it, it with the AU there, uh, I think what we're pushing towards and what Africa has been calling for in a number of these global institutions is better global governance and better representation. So this will be a step in that direction. As has been mentioned, Africa is, you know, by 2050 um, will be uh, probably the most populous uh, um, continent in the in the world. And uh, by the end of the century, uh, you know, 40 to 45 percent of the world population will be Africa, African. So if you're going to be solving global problems, which is what these forums are trying to do, and you're not including the voice of um, half of uh, what, what will be effectively 40 to 45 percent by the end of the century of, of the population of the globe, then I, I'm not quite sure what problem you're solving. Mm-hmm. And at, at the moment, Africa is grossly underrepresented in all the fora, and mm-hmm. with the G20, it's only the South African 
Uh, perspective there. Uh, Anusha, I saw you reacting quite a lot to what Onyakachi was saying there, and it looked like you wanted to jump in, so go ahead. Yes, sure, absolutely. I just want to echo everything that agreement with everything that has just been said. And I have for long held this belief that in order to implement reforms, in order to promote growth and development, investment and trade, it's important to have the voices of the countries that are impacted by these policies be given a seat at the table. So as we know, historically, a lot of these um, policies got made in Washington uh, with the international institutions, but with Africa in particular not having a voice and a seat at the table. And I think that in the spirit of um, you know, democratizing the reform process, as well as in the spirit of inclusion, I think it's incredibly important to bring the AU on board with the G20. Guido, I also saw you reacting just now, so I'll let you jump in. But I also want to ask you, um, what are the economic and political interests at stake in all of this? Well, the economic interest uh, is about the future, because Africa, at the moment, uh, the, Africa's share of GDP is not high. Uh, however, uh, it's important to, to, to remind that unlike Europe, unlike China, unlike the United States, and also like India, China, Africa's population is very young. 50% uh, of its population is below the age of 19. So the median age is 19. India, which is pretty young, uh, is would be 29. China 39, and in Europe we are all about above the 40. So uh, the future is there. The economic consequences of this young uh, population with a young uh, potential entrepreneurs and, and, and labor force uh, are immense. Uh, geopolitical is super important too. It's close to Europe. It's in the center. Uh, the total population is comparable to that of China and India, but it will grow, as was mentioned. Uh, so uh, it will be immense. And also strategically, there are you know this is at the moment is where uh, the, the the contest between uh, China and and the USA uh, are uh, you know is economically uh, very active. Guido, let me also ask you, um, if the G20 uh, doesn't have adequate representation from Africa going forward, how much does it impact uh, the G20's credibility? Yeah, if it doesn't, uh, I mean, at the moment it has South Africa. However, this doesn't represent the whole continent. So it is important uh, to to have a more unified view. Otherwise, it would be the view uh, the view of one country. So uh, this would be very important, for example, for the relationships uh, with Europe, which is you know across the Mediterranean. There are lots of uh, political issues and migration issues to be solved. Uh, uh, you know, aid to development from Europe has stagnated. Uh, too much, and it's time also for Europe to wake up and to to notice that there is Africa there, that there are problems, that this young population uh, must be helped to 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 grow and blossom in a positive way, rather than just abandoned to you know uh, China versus United States and conflicts and you know uh, food insecurity and so on. Uh, Onyakachi, uh, you heard Guido there talk about the fact that South Africa is currently the only member from the continent of G20. Why is that the case? Well, I mean, the G20 arose at the end, uh, um, you know, during the financial crisis uh, um, in uh, 2008. And 
it uh, it was uh, clear that the G7 was no longer adequate to dealing with those global issues. And, you know, it needed a global response. And I think there was an attempt to bring in all the bigger players. I mean, it was ridiculous that, you know, China, which at that stage had the second largest economy, was not in the G7. So it, it was clear that, you know, the old forums that uh, had been in existence for the last 40, 50 years were no longer adequate. So there was this attempt to broaden uh, and bring in all the key players globally. They looked at Africa and um, you know, for a lot of um, reasons, South Africa was chosen. Now, South Africa is not in the top 20 economies so in the world. Even in Africa, the Nigerian economy is bigger than, uh, than the South African one. So, but at the time, for lots of complicated reasons, um, South Africa, you know, was felt to be the best representative for the continent. Um, and it, as uh, I think Rita was saying, it, it has sometimes found it challenging to both push its own interests and then bat on behalf of the whole continent, which is what it, it, it took on, you know, the responsibility to do. Um, so having mm -hmm. the um, AU there where, you know, there is a collective agenda around um, African vision for around the, it, its 2063 agenda, which has been settled by uh, everybody on the continent, um, there is now the implementation of the free trade area and lots of other things that mm. the AU can have that overall responsibility for mm -hmm. and, and to be able to lobby directly so that it's not just mm -hmm. trying to do its own bilateral um, championing as well as trying to then uh, act on behalf of the whole continent. And, and also, I think it's really important. I mean, you know, all of this big fora uh, Onyakachi, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but 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 I just wanna I wanna no, go I wanna go to Anusha because because I'll let you I'll let you finish that thought in a second. But uh, Anusha, I saw you nodding along to uh, a lot of what uh, Onyakachi was saying there, and I wanted to give you a chance to jump in as well. Sure, um, I think I I I sort of think that we have to think about this demographic dividend that um, Africa is going to have as a continent as also a source of uh, booming supply of labor. So. To deliver growth in Africa, what we're going to need is some serious investment in infrastructure such as electricity, grids, roads, ports, railways, et cetera, as well as implementing appropriate governance structures uh, to use that infrastructure efficiently. And this is going to be incredibly important to have the AU be a part of the G20 so that they can be part of the conversation um, that could potentially drive this very high economic growth in um, Africa. And as, um, as we all know, this is the most reliable way to reduce debt burdens and increase food and energy security um, in Africa. So once again, I think it's really important mm -hmm. that you have a seat at the table. Uh, Guido, how much will the African Union's inclusion potentially in the G20 boost the G20's global coverage? Well, it will, of course, you know, for geographic reasons, for demographic reasons, and for uh, the mm, promise of, of future growth. Uh, at the same time, uh, the union, of course, you know, it's already it's already uh, um, 
cohesive uh, view expresses a view of the continent, but there are uh, several countries there uh, with different uh, objectives uh, and also uh, trying to reach consensus in uh, in uh, in such a, a large set of countries may may be difficult. So in a way, it will um, presumably be able to convey the uh, minimum common denominator of uh, of um, the african continent but still it gives uh, it gives uh, um, g20 more authority uh, you know more representativeness so it will be moderate probably uh, approach but still extremely useful also useful for africa uh, in the union to try to better uh, compromise different instances and reach common uh, objectives internationally for you know the international trade for example or for geopolitics for sanctions and so on. Uh, um, Onyakachi, uh, certainly this idea of potentially having the AU join the G20 is not new. Uh, in the run-up to the G20 summit in Bali last year, you had Indonesia publicly calling for representation uh, by the AU. During that summit, you also had French President Emmanuel Macron uh, saying that Paris supported the integration of the AU into the G20. And China, repeatedly over the past year, has said that they support this idea. Uh, but the Bali declaration at the end of the last summit didn't mention the proposal. Why is that? Well, I, I'm not sure, I'm, I, you know, the reasons for that. But since then, there's been a lot of water under the bridge. Um, there's been much more of a movement towards multipolarity. Africa is at the center of a lot of um, interest from different uh, polar global centers now wanting um, African support. So, you know, what we're seeing is a shift globally um, in terms of, you know, Af Africa becoming, or the need for African um, sort of support becoming much more important. So I think this has moved right up the agenda uh, as far as that's concerned. But the point I was going to make earlier on, just very quickly, was that, you know, in all these international fora, you know, they, you know, not only do the European countries and uh, the West uh, dominate them, but uh, as individual countries. But then the EU is always also represented um, in, in this forum, whether G7 or now the G20. So it's important that other, um, I would also make the case that not just the African uh, Union, but other regional bodies also be given, you know, in ASEAN and also in Latin America, will be also be invited to have that uh, kind of. Um, feet at the table if we're genuinely interested in solving these global problems. Uh, Anusha, at the end of last year, you also had uh, U.S. President Joe Biden calling for the AU to become a permanent member of the G20. Um, when it comes to all this, was that one of the big breakthroughs when it comes to pushing the idea farther? Absolutely. And I think that this commitment that Onyekachi was talking about, this coalescence across uh, with the U.S., uh, European Union, countries like India, um, et cetera, sort of recognizing the importance of pushing, putting their weight behind um, Africa and seeing the opportunity um, and the moment is ripe for creating shared prosperity. So, um, and the G20 is really a natural forum to discuss these issues and how various countries other than China that has been practicing 
predatory lending in Africa and um, has sort of practiced this debt trap diplomacy, I think there's an opportunity for um, these other countries via the G20 as a forum to partner with Africa to deliver high return, uh, climate friendly uh, prosperity via projects uh, that are also a high priority for the African Union, in addition to social structure, uh, social sector investments such as in education and health. Uh, Guido, what has to happen for this to become a reality, for the African Union to become a permanent member of the G20? How complicated is this process? Well, this process could be uh, could be facilitated by by the political will. I mean, what matters is the political will, and of course, the United States is in favor, uh, India is in favor, China is in favor. Then, you know, I I, I would uh, I I would not dwell on the technical problems or bureaucratic problems, because if the political will is there, then it will happen. Um, I also, uh, I, I see maybe a problem within the African Union, because as was rightly said, the European Union is there, but also France, Italy, and, you know, the uh, countries. Uh, so uh, it would be natural at some point that big countries like Nigeria, for example, but Egypt or others um, get increasingly involved in the future. So at the moment, I, I would see uh, no major problem. Uh, uh, it's a, it's a, mm, a process of extending the representation of Africa in the G20, which is absolutely long overdue. On the other side, also, it is a way to um, get Africa more West, uh, so more uh, friendly with the United States uh, and, and the West, because the G20 at the moment, the majority is pro-United uh, States. Of course, there is also Russia and China uh, there. But so uh, if, if there is a will in this direction, I think uh, it, it may not be too difficult. Onyekachi, uh, you heard uh, Guido there talk about, um, from his point of view, that there has to be a political will for, for this to happen. Uh, from your vantage point, is there political will right now? Uh, and also, uh, from your vantage point, how long do you think this, this might take? Uh, because it, it does look like there still could be a, quite a long road ahead before the African Union could get full membership, right? Well, I think it will happen much more quickly than we think, um, purely for the reasons that I've given before. There's a, a great deal of global competition. And my colleague uh, um, uh, you know, referenced that earlier on. Um, China has its ideas about partnership with the continent. Russia increasingly on a geopolitical level, India now, uh, and, and then the, the old West, uh, America and Europe. So Africa is at the center of all of this and is uh, the fair maiden being courted for lots of, uh, you know, complicated and complex reasons, resources, uh, as you said, the demographics in terms of the population, um, and, and also, you know, just in its own increasing importance in finding its own voice and making it and asserting itself. So I, I suspect it will happen much more quickly. And the other reason it will happen even more quickly is that there are now so many other fora that are coming on board. There's now the BRICS Plus, which is also making, uh, you know, um, reaching out to include more and more African countries. And so I, I think the G7 will, if it doesn't want to miss a trick, will, will rather move more quickly. 
Uh, Anusha, it looked to me like you were agreeing with what Onyekachi was saying. Uh, do you also uh, think that it might not take as long as some people fear that it will? Yes, because the symbiotic relationship between Africa and the rest of the world has become so apparent in terms of, um, you know, just going back to the population issue, if um, the world is not able to partner with Africa and deliver growth in Africa, what we're going to see is increasingly um, a higher levels of unemployment amongst this youth. And that's going to have a direct bearing onto countries in Europe and uh, perhaps the United States in terms of populations, um, migration and exodus out of Africa. So, you know, it is also in the interest of the US and Europe to help develop Africa in a sustainable, climate-friendly way such that these youth, when they come into the labor force, have um, good employment opportunities. And, you know, self-interest was mentioned before. And I do think that in terms of providing capital, uh, this is a great opportunity for private and public capital from the West to invest in Africa to deliver this shared prosperity. Uh, Guido, from your vantage point, um, how challenging might it be to find agreement and concessions among such a, such a huge and diverse bloc going forward? It, it is challenging. It is also challenging again, to reach agreement within the African Union itself. Um, however, uh, this process, this diplomatic process, is the new the new uh, um, feature of, of globalization now. Because globalization, from uh, an economic point of view, has slowed down when it has become clear that there were, uh, you know, diplomatic issues to solve, trade conflicts and geopolitics and so on. So now the new uh, the new phase of globalization has to come through this exercise of diplomacy and agreements uh, pol and the political will to do that. So uh, um, yeah, it is it is a thorny process. Mm -hmm. uh, there are also food security issues involved, the war in Ukraine, sanctions, and so on with divisions. And so, but still, you know, this is this is the way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, Onyekachi, uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. I see you want to jump in, but I also want to ask you one final question. How much would this amplify Africa's voice on the international stage were it to become a reality? I think there are two processes going on. In, in, uh, I'll answer the question in this way, which is that Africa itself is recognizing that it needs to sort out its problems. And it's been sending out signals, important signals, in the last two years since the pandemic when it didn't have vaccines and was left more or less to itself. It knows it has to solve those problems out. So there's much more discussions in terms about how to do that. Now with the food crisis, it knows it has to solve that. And then a signal was sent this year where, you know, all these summits, uh, Africa, China, Africa, UK, Africa, US, and, you know, 52 African presidents get, get on a plane, sorry, 54 African presidents get on a plane and go to, to meet China, India, or the US. And this year, the Africans said, no, we'll send the African Union. It's no longer necessary for us to all get on a plane to go to London or Beijing or wherever. We'll, we, you know, we have an African Union. We've worked out the key strategic issues in our 2063 plan. We're, we're working towards a common payment system now, and hopefully one day, uh, you know, we have a continental free trade area that we're doing. So... I, this idea that uh, Africa is not able to build consensus, I think, is uh, mm -hmm. perhaps you know, 
we've moved beyond that. I mean, the Africa, the continent itself knows mm -hmm. that it has to urgently, uh, you know, batter, uh, you know, uh, to its weight. And in order to do that, it has to find that consensus. All right. Well, we have run out of time, so we're going to have to leave the conversation there. Thanks so much to all of our guests, Onyakachi Wambu, Anusha Chari, and Guido Kotsi. This episode was produced by Mohamed Al-Aishi, Katya Lopez-Hodoyan, Fungi Nguyen, and Jimmy Gerahun. Studio sound was by Yasser Rahmani. The program was edited by Ahmed Edfaga, Lynn Nguyen, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Tuesday for our next episode. This week on The Take, how did four young children, including a baby, managed to survive the treacherous Amazon jungle alone for 40 days. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.